I remember going to bed that night being like, okay, what's about to happen is the hardest, one of the hardest times in our life is about to approach. But this is going to be a journey that's the most powerful and rewarding and formative experience that's going to guide us into something greater for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I remember you, you like didn't sleep for like three nights. You kept being like, this is it. This is the thing. This is going to be huge. This is our winner. This is what is this? This is it. I'm not getting my PT license renewed anymore. (laughs) And, you know, the next three years of our life, that was the deepest that we ever had to dig into our own reservoirs to find strength, to create something so special. And I remember asking, praying for not a lighter load, but praying for a stronger back because what we were creating, it was epic. Welcome to Where Hope Grows, a podcast curated to tell the inspiring stories of land stewards, ranchers, and farmers who are on the front lines of the regenerative revolution. Interweaved with wisdom inspired by Mother Nature, These journeys are testaments to her capacity for healing ourselves, our agricultural systems, and our planet. This is where hope grows. Hey everyone, this is Taylor Collins, and you are listening to Where Hope Grows. This podcast is brought to life by the support of Force of Nature, Rome Ranch, and of course, the grace and beauty of Mother Nature. If there was ever an episode of Where Hope Grows that really embodies grace and beauty, well, this is going to be the one because I get to sit with my multi-lifetime partner, my lover, the most graceful, the most beautiful creation that I've ever been able to co-create with, Katie. And in this episode, Katie and I are going to share our genesis, our origination story, Now, Katie and I have lived some pretty incredible lives with lots of pivots, really following our instinct and ultimately paving our own path. And that path typically looked like a single track going up the side of a mountain. And in a surreal way, we've had some valiant attempts from some incredible journalists to tell our stories, to capture our lives. And only a few of them have come close to doing it justice. Now, in this episode, We're going to tell our own story in our own words without any preconceived limitations, without a narrative. This is our truth, and this truth is powerful. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know by now that every few months I sit with Katie and we reflect on stories from the ranch. Well, this is like the ultimate story. This is the story of how we became ranchers. So enjoy our life story in under one hour. I don't even know if that's possible. This could be a hundred part series easily, but we're going to really consolidate things. And uh, we hope you enjoyed these stories. We hope they're inspiring. We hope you think some of them are funny. And at the end, I hope you can relate to this stuff. And at the end of the day, remind yourself that instead of asking for lighter loads, you can ask yourself for a stronger back. And without further ado, here is our story. Okay, so here we go. This is a real story. This has been fact-checked by Katie and myself. And to begin... 
to begin, you are the biggest exaggerator of all time. So I'm kind of nervous about this episode. No. Nah. Because I don't want to have to be like Taylor. You can say Taylor. You're a fact checker too. Okay. I'm going to fact check Taylor the whole time. Yeah. Um, okay. So I will begin our story. I will begin our story in high school because we went to the same high school together, but I was, a, I was a senior and you were just the forbidden fruit of a freshman. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't connect cause that was just too taboo. But I remember in high school specifically this, the first time that we ever maybe crossed paths, it was during the break uh, of classes. Um, I had to use the restroom. You probably getting water or using the restroom and we crossed each other in this empty hallway and I was just like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And the closer that we got to passing, the more energy I felt and my heart rate went up and then we passed and it was just like a sonic boom. It, it rocked me at a cellular level. And I just remember that this would have been good God, almost 25 years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that feeling. So I think that was really special. I think, like you said earlier, how we um, have been married in our past lives or whatever you said. I think that was like our reuniting within this life, this dimension. That yeah. was like that moment where we were like, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you for the last, four, I don't even know how old I was, but 14, 14 years old. Yeah. And yeah, that was our souls reconnecting. I think so. So we should decide on, at the end of this podcast where our souls are going to connect in the next life. Yeah. So we, so we have that documented, probably not high school. Cause Let's that's not. just lame. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, kind of fast forward, we reconnected in college, both went to Texas state university. And again, there was quite a bit of an age gap. And I remember we used to pass each other in the park on the way to class. And there was crazy mean ass geese in that park. And I was always afraid you were going to, I was going to like come up on you and you were going to get be being attacked by the geese. And I was going to have to man up and fight the geese for you. <laughs> and I was scared of the geese. <laughs> I was, yeah. I remember you always wore this cute little, uh, army green little hat. I think you got it at like a world war two, uh, antique place. And it was so cute. Um, but it's so weird that we have geese now and they don't like you still. Yeah. Well, I don't like them either. So All right. they can suck it. <laughs> um, so here we are, we're in college and we pass each other pretty regularly. Uh, you're living the bachelorette life. I'm living the bachelor life. And I think I, I remember feeling like there's a big void in my life and just felt like, I don't know, probably at some of the darkest points in my life at, around that time. And I remember one day my phone rang and I never picked up my phone in college. And I was driving home because I used to, I commuted at that point in time from Austin to San Marcos every day. I remember you, you called me. I was like, oh my God, this girl, this is Katie Forrest. She's calling me. This is like the best day of my life. What, what is the occasion, my dear? And what would you say? What, why were you calling me? Oh, I think I, um, well, I knew who you were cause I knew your brothers and you were in a hardcore band, which I think you failed to mention. Um, Taylor was in a hardcore band called at all cost. Listen to it right now. It's, uh, it was the, it's the only hardcore band that I enjoy. Katie was not a groupie. <laughs> um, 
And I think I was calling you because I was probably at a dark place in my life and I hated my dorm. And I was like, I know this guy is commuting because I know his brother told me. So I'm going to call and see if we can ride together slash go on a date. So that's what I remember. I just remember commute. But back then, like Netflix and chill wasn't a thing. So commute. And so, commute and chill. Yeah. And I don't even think Redbox and chill was a thing. No. No, it wasn't. And blockbuster and chill. Oh, blo- that was like code word for blockbuster and chill. And maybe you were just only asking me to ride with you, but I was like, done. I'm going to marry this girl tomorrow. She needs to change her name immediately. Because I just remember like it was game on. And then I think I was just like, yeah, I don't know if you want to commute together, but let's go on a date. And yeah. And then we went on a date. We went to a, a dance performance for extra credit for me. And then we went and had um, some food at Magnolia and you ate all my food. Yeah, that's maybe this, the one I really fell in love with you when I realized that you only ate half of your omelet and I got to just <laughs> maybe forever eat the second half of all your meals now like I, a pig. You're still the trash can of the family. Composter, trash can. It's the same thing. Yeah. So um, fell in love together immediately. Skipping some pretty amazing steps, but that would just take eons to get through this story. But we moved in together like the next day. No, like three months later, but still. But still. Yeah. I remember I had to lie to my mom that you were, I I called you the day before your birthday. So you were still technically like 21, I think. Yeah. And I was like 18 or 19. I don't really remember, but I just remember being like this, this age gap is too large for me to comfortably tell my mom. So I was like, I think he's 20 or 21, his birthday soon. Um, anyway, and then we moved in together and I had definitely had to lie to my dad. I totally lied to my dad. That was so scary. I was sure they were going to think I knocked you up. Oh, <laughs> like that would be the only um, reason that this was moving so fast. And if I didn't, that in the next six months you were going to be pregnant. Oh, little did they know that was definitely not on the agenda. Nope. Probably to their uh, gratitude mm. or comfort. They, they didn't whatever. So we moved in together and this was like intense because I never really had that serious of a girlfriend and you kind of had like some flings here and there. Some people that were probably pretty cruel to me for my dating life. Yeah. And so we just was, it's just connected on a cosmic level. Yeah. There was no turning around. I remember, um, I always felt like, I still do. Like, I didn't know that this could exist. Like, I didn't know that a relationship like this was real or could ever be happening. Yeah. I just wanted to be with you every second of every day. And this made sure that I got to be with you more than I could ever imagine, which was a dream come true. And I think because of that, we 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 co-evolved together. Like, we created a life together that was different than our previous lives, where we came from in our young adulthood and childhoods, because one of the things that we both picked up and I'm like, I was thinking like, how the hell did this happen? But we got really into endurance sports, specifically endurance bike riding. And that evolved into racing at a collegiate level together. Mm -hmm. But that was like, let's work, let's be together more. Let's be outside. Let's go work out together. Let's Let's go go do some spin classes. Let's get a bike from Wally world. So Katie and I, uh, when we first started racing bikes, we were like at the bottom of the pecking order. I was a class C and you were 
women didn't even have class C, so she was class B. Katie was really good. And the, and our classes used to start together. Oh, this was really our sweet. categories. And so it was so funny because like in these races, I was like your uh I was like your Jan Ulrich and your your like Vina Kurov. <laughs> and and I used to just like lead for you. Oh yeah, and you would pull me to the finish line every time. You like would draft you would just me. kill yourself while I drafted the shit out of you so I could beat everybody. It was so funny. And you did win all the time. But I remember one race there was a wreck. Wait, did you get in the wreck or did I get in the wreck? You got in the wreck. But you were safe. I was fine. Yeah, I caused the wreck and I like made basically every single other girl in the Peloton crash. Yeah. And Katie won. Well, you made it sound like everybody <laughs> crashed. I just like got on my bike and left. We got everybody up off their bikes and then we were like, we have to go win. Yeah. So that was fun because I think that was like this, that was something that made us really competitive and it also really connected us to the outdoors. And it was like this eye-opening experience about listening to our bodies through cycling. I don't know if you ever listen to your body. I still don't feel like you do sometimes. I feel like you push your body like way beyond any reasonable limits. Whereas like I know my threshold. Like you're willing to like throw up and cramp and be spider crawling to a finish line. And I'm, and I will not. That's because I'm Yano work. <laughs> okay. That's what he does. Yeah. Um, shut up legs. Shut up legs. I just think that cycling was so profound in many ways, but one of the things that I still love is like this visualization of riding into the wind and like having some resistance in my life that makes me push harder and, and work harder and work for something. And so it shouldn't be a surprise, but very early on when we started dating, when we started living together, we started our first business together. And it was called Green Idea Recycling, which was Jesus. The IRS is going to come after us Such now that a you joke. put the name out there. No, I think there's like a five-year moratorium if they don't catch us that we're in the clear. I don't think we did anything wrong. I just think we don't know. We didn't know how to file any taxes. Yeah, the 1040 easy. It's very confusing. We used to do that on the telephone. Yeah. Now we have like multiple accountants. Um, so, okay. So that was funny. So we had this recycling business. It was the city of Austin um, where we both grew up. It had residential recycling early on. This would have been like, what, 2008, 2007. They had, um, they didn't have commercial recycling. So all the businesses and all the condos, high rises, like they were just SOL. And so we kind of stepped in and started pitching this idea for people to recycle and we took care of their, their stuff. And I just remember like horror stories of those days. Mm. There was like probably the grossest thing that I think that ever happened was when we would sort through milk jugs and they were all under pressure and fermenting inside. And if you just like handled them a little bit wrong, they would explode in your face. They would explode rotten cottage cheese barf milk in your face. I didn't think that was the worst. I was thinking about that time we were at Eastside Cafe, I think, and they had those huge um, tomato cans out in their things. Anyway, you had to hand pull each one out and there was a, a rat family. Oh, and they were like rats. flying rats. They were flying rats. <laughs> they were flying. Maybe they were bats. Yeah, they were bats. <laughs> um, the babies it, were cute. They were pretty cute. And it was sucked being like, I just am going to have to smash you with a glass bottle because I don't know how else to make this transfer. Yeah. Mm. It was a toxic life. Um, yeah, we would never do that now. I uh, know. But one of the things, like one of the favorite stories was when we used to take like, I mean, it was... <laughs> thousands of pounds of glass to a recycling plant at nighttime 
sometimes late at night and there'd be these like homeless transient people hanging out, like doing smoking meth and doing crack. I mean, horrible stuff all hanging around there. And they were like superhuman and they wanted to work. Mm-hmm. They want like, they were like, Hey, if you give me a dollar, I will lift a thousand pounds of glass for you. For and sure. They were on crack. They could just do it like One so handed. Yeah. That was the strong, those were the strongest people I ever met in my life. For sure. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Um, and then I remember one time we found like two joints and we were like, Oh no. And we found two joints in the recycling bin at behind a restaurant, maybe Kirby lane. And I remember we were like, Oh dude, those crackheads today are going to be so stoked when, fight we, for this. when we give them two joints for helping us. <laughs> <laughs> I was so scared that it was going to be a sting operation though. Uh, like these yeah. guys had been like undercover for years yeah. trying to get us to give them marijuana. Yeah. To, to set an example. I was scared we were going to get pulled over on the way. Yeah, me too. To drop it off. Yeah. I was always scared of getting pulled over. Yeah, me too. I can't believe we didn't get pulled over more often. Um, and so, okay, that was nasty, but that was like our intro into business. And well, the, the best part about it was a, you were a pretty good salesperson. Yeah. Like you were able to like pitch to an account and yeah, get them to like be convinced to pay you to throw away their trash is what they would say. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And you made like these cute little stickers, like you were super into the branding. And so you made, do you remember the square green idea recycling stickers? Kind of. What? I have it like in my head. I remember one poster that we made for the bins so that employees put their like metal in the metal bin. Oh yeah. Those are cute. It was like a hair metal band from the eighties. Yeah. It said metal cans, please. (laughs) So you've always had a little branding eye. Sure. Someone like that. Yeah. So here we are just saving the world, recycling. Saving the world. That was like, we thought that was the answer people. We were wrong. Um, and, and then we went down this path of like being vegetarian and I know this is something that everyone always wants to talk about in all of our interviews since the starting of time, but let's just do it justice. I guess. I hate talking about it. But I, I know it's annoying, but we are vegetarian for multiple reasons. One, we're fake woke. Two, we had sympathy for animals in confinement and feedlots. Three, we thought we were just guzzling up the narrative that like eating meat was bad and... Uh, plant-based agriculture was the solution. And we were like wrong about all this shit. But this was like 2008. We, there there wasn't social media. Like I wasn't on MySpace. MySpace. I wasn't even on Facebook. Friendster. So you couldn't even fact check these, these narratives. And um, so, you know, like power to the people now who have uh, at least an alternative source of information out in the world. But we didn't. And so we went vegetarian. And... With that being said, like at that point in time, do you think that if some, if like a fairy would have visited you in your sleep at night and said in 10 years, in less than 10 years, you're going to be eating raw organ meats off of a bison that you harvested in the field of your own ranch, would you believe that person? It's just the question that you like wanted to ask me, but wouldn't tell me that you're going to ask me. No. I was like, that's a terrible question. No, of course I wouldn't have believed you. Oh, I wouldn't have believed me either. Yeah. I, cause I, cause my Especially because I don't believe in fairies. Well, and I would have been like, hold on. Uh, my name is James Collins, James Taylor Collins, and I have th- three brothers named James Collins and a dad named James Collins. They're probably talking about one of them. Not me. I would have been like, I make $400 a week. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. 
I'd have been like, maybe we'll have bison and we'll like pet them and name them all, but we're not going to eat their raw livers. But I still couldn't have ever seen that because we never like had exposure to agriculture. Yeah. We didn't have family in it. We didn't have um, like a legacy. We didn't have access to land as kids. And frankly, we, we were like sharing a car and living off of like $200 a month in grocery bills. That was amazing. That was I still stellar. don't understand. Yeah. How? We were highly efficient. That's because we ate a lot of beans. Yeah. And we paid the cost. We did. Especially you. And um, so here we are eating beans for dinner and for breakfast and for lunch. I mean, there was buckwheat groats. Oh, fucking gross. Remember Don't the raw buckwheat groat crackers? Yeah, those were nasty like mold crackers. Okay, so we started a company called Thunderbird Energetica. And it was like raw food, energy bars, compostable packaging. We call it Energodesiacs, which was like half energy, half aphrodisiacs. It was just kind of um, like crazy person. I can't believe we started a company like that. Well, I think what you've been failing to mention is that I was in grad school. You uh, were also in grad school or did you just finish and you were doing your hours? No, I was still in grad school when we started. When we started Thunderbird? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really um, insane. Uh, I remember, for some, for some reason I remember this, one time when my, my dad and I went to dinner and he was bringing me back to our apartment and I was crying and I was telling him that you spent $10,000, which is all the money that we had in the entire world, on um, Thunderbird Energetica Cherry Walnut Crunch packages. <laughs> and he was like so upset. <laughs> And I felt like he was just like, oh, my God, she made a terrible choice. Mm -hmm. um, I knew it. The second I bought those. You were like, fuck. It was a good idea until they showed up. Yeah. But uh, I had to have been out of college. Yeah, I, I think that you maybe were. I couldn't have afforded that. Yeah, we didn't have $10,000. I was a physical therapist. Yeah. For a long time. PT. And um, Katie was in grad school getting her counseling psychology degree. Taylor's a really good physical therapist. Yeah. You were excellent. Um, the old ladies really liked me. Well, I mean, I know you hated working with them, but you were really good. I liked some of them a lot. And then others, I think, just wanted to get touched. Aww. Appropriately. <laughs> but it was still the just the healing power of touch in a young man with a mustache who cared. Yeah. And asked him how their day a was. polo shirt. Oh. Um... So anyway. I digress, but yeah, I, um, whenever I cried and I spent $10,000, that was probably the last time I ever cried. You Which, cried too? Oh yeah. Oh. I think I even might've punched myself in the face. Oh my God. <laughs> that was sucky. <laughs> I didn't go to business school. That was a terrible idea. Um, but it definitely lit a fire. It was like, well, we can't have, there's no use in having $10,000 worth of cherry walnut crunch packages. Like we are now have to make a product and sell it and we need to go get into Whole Foods. That's true. Because, um, and all the things we've ever done, even until today, we've never had a business plan. Don't do business plans. I can't stand business plans. They're so fucking annoying. They are. It's just like people that just want to sit around and talk. About all the cool stuff they're going to do, but they don't do anything. Yeah. Or, they don't order cherry walnut crunch packages. Yeah. Having a business plan in my mind is like being a just a brilliant, charming, stunning, handsome man who can like teach others how to get girlfriends, but he's never actually had a girlfriend himself. Yeah. 
So we're, we're executors. Um, and so Thunderbird was like our first real brand. We got a break. We were in Whole Foods, HEB, Central Market. It's like a real brand. Somehow. It was all Jason's time. Yeah. We got some lucky breaks early on. Yeah. And um, that taught us a lot about manufacturing, commercialization. Katie and I, seriously, with these hands, have made, oh my God, what do you think? I'm going to guess hundreds a couple of hundreds thousands. of thousands of fruit nut bars that were raw with these damn hands. Yeah. Carpal tunnel syndrome and mm. all. Yeah. We had a commercial kitchen. We had like little, like an extruder machine. We had molds. We had dehydrators. We had, it was like a, it was a real business. Yeah. We had employees. We had employees. We had some of the best employees in the world. Yeah. And it was a, it was a thing. It was cool. And then, um, and, and, you know, we're like doubling, tripling down on this plant-based lifestyle, this narrative, really pushing it. And it didn't take long for your body specifically to start decomposing. Decomposing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the funny question that I wanted to ask you that okay. I want to tell you. Okay. Um, okay. So Katie got really sick and had terrible gastrointestinal issues, terrible inflammatory conditions of her knees. She saw one knee. She saw every specialist in town, like Western medicine, Eastern medicine, uh, shaman. I mean, you name it pretty much. And, and everything, the di the prognosis was terrible. It was like, some people said, Hey, you know, you need to be on arthritis medicine for the rest of your life. Oh, that sucks. One person did an exploratory knee surgery. That sucked. Um, everyone was looking at the knee in isolation. No one was looking at you as a whole organism. And one of my favorite quotes that you say is like, if you were still vegetarian or vegan, you would either be dead or you wouldn't, um, or you would have like a knee replacement. But here's my funny question. If you could choose between being dead, mm -hmm. having a total knee replacement, having an amputated leg, or having your leg normally and being in a rascal scooter. Hmm. Which, rascal scooter. Which sure. would you choose? Scooter. Really? For sure. I'd get my leg cut off. Why? Um. Well, because then so I don't you know. You could get a, like a, a running fake leg. Yeah, sideboard. Yeah. And I was actually just thinking for you because then you'd have one leg and I would just be able to like pick you up easier and. Because my leg is the thing that weighs so much on me. That's that's the difference. It would just be really interesting if my wife now had one leg. That'd be a really cool story. That'd be a great story. Darn. I would, I would love that Darn. story. Why'd you have to get better? Shit. Anyways, so we had this like come to um, coming to Jesus or coming to Allah, coming to Zeus, whatever your religious belief is moment where... It was a coming to the bison moment. It was whenever we went and did our, we went and did a half Ironman. It was at uh, Buffalo Springs. That's true. And there was that big bison mm -hmm. statue. And like, literally that was the turning point for us. I remember taking that picture. We got in the car. We read that book. And, what book? Um, Eat, Eating Right for Your Blood Type. Yeah. By David Diadamo. Mm -hmm. And we were like, well, I guess let's just drive straight to the blood bank. And we drove straight to the blood bank, got our blood tested Found out that we were O's and which is like we're meat eaters and the original blood type. Or the original blood type. And we were doing it all wrong. And so that afternoon we committed to never eating vegan ever again. Yeah. 
Um, because I kind of skipped some steps, but we were vegetarian. Katie got worse. We went vegan. Katie got worse. Shocker. We went raw food. Katie got even worse. Oh, well, let's keep doing what we're doing. We went raw food. Katie got worse. Um, I don't know what else there was to do except fast. Yeah, I didn't do that. So we uh, finally got the message. It was loud and clear. Our diets were off and, and this was just such a pivotal moment in our life and a really important concept that we've always been able to embrace, which is just like to pivot, to be open enough to change our minds because it really pisses me off when people are so stubborn and stuck in their ways mm-hmm. that they just don't evolve over time. And it's so sad for them too. Like it's so clear. Yeah. It's like they're it's, stuck. It's like they're stuck in high school. It's like they're like, stuck you know those in 2020. Who, who look back and they're like, dude, Stirring I was fucking rounds. cool in high school. But yeah. now I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking about high school. Yeah. And all the sports they would play. Yeah. And now they can't fucking go for a brisk walk. Oh, wait. We forgot to mention the part of the story where I was almost a professional athlete, but oh, that's right. cool. We could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> Um, okay. So here we go. We're like, we're pretty much paleo. Paleo wasn't a thing or maybe it's like right on the verge. It was like two people talking about paleo. Yeah. Hashtag two hashtags use. It was hashtag Rob Wolf and yeah, maybe Mark Sisson. And we just were like, fuck it. I don't know what that is, but we're going to eat in an ancestral consistent way with our evolutionary legacy. We're going to eat meat, grass fed, pasture raised, of course, and we're going to cook our veggies, probably not eat too many of those. Definitely eliminate the buckwheat mm-hmm. and the beans. And, uh, man, you got better. It was like a miraculous. Yeah, I healing. got better in, in the matter of, you know, days to weeks, depending on which ailment you are looking at. It was insane. It was nuts. And this was like in the wake Katie was training for the Ironman world championship race, which is just such an amazing accomplishment you just skip over so many cool things you've done in your life but katie Mm. so okay this is a really important thing katie and i as uh illustrated by us moving in together really early on and being so intense together everything we've ever done is like full-on commitment no bullshit we're gonna go pretty extreme if we believe in something and katie was like i want to do a triathlon so instead of like starting off with just a sprint or an olympic triathlon we signed up for an iron man and it was in Wisconsin, and Katie won her whole entire age group. Mm-hmm. She kicked my ass so hard. <laughs> I, I was going to win. And I remember I didn't even fucking see you after the starting line. Well, it's because you were like chopping. Our, we started at the start. We started in the water together. You yeah. chopped everybody. And I was, you, you, again. You paved a path for me. I was your lead blocker. Yeah. All these big dudes were just like converging. If you've ever seen Iron Man, everyone... Starts up together and they're like treading water and they're shoulder to shoulder, butt to peen, butt to vag. There's no space. And then the gun goes off and then everyone that's vertical in the water goes horizontal. Well, that doesn't take a mathematician to recognize that there's not enough surface area for that to exist. So basically for the first mile, you're just avoiding getting annihilated by enormous men, enormous dudes in speedos. And so I remember that race. I was just going to kind of help you watch you. And I remember there was like this moment where probably 10 minutes into the race, these two enormous guys were like coming in from you on each side and they were about to squish you (laughs) into a sandwich. You were going to be the 
the ham and they were the white bread. And I sprinted one last effort and I like came out of the water like a dolphin <laughs> and then I chopped them both in the necks. <laughs> and I remember you just went ahead. You didn't even know. And both those guys were like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> and <laughs> oh, sorry. Oops. Sorry. Oops, Daisy. Uh, and, and then I was like, it's cool. I'll see Katie and like when I'm out of the water, never saw her ever again. I know. I kept thinking you were going to catch me on the bike. Never saw her ever again. She smoked me so hard. So that was just amazing. So she won that and then she uh, qualified for the world championship race. And so all this like health revelation and optimizing our own body and recovery and spirits and soul were all happening at this like really interesting point in our lives where we're competing at a really high level, training tremendous loads pushing our bodies pretty incredible. And so, okay. So we're, we're now like meat based, animal based, and we have this vegetarian, uh, vegan bar company called Thunderbird, which is still in existence and it's still a really cool product, but it just didn't really fit our lifestyle anymore. And so what we knew was like how to make bars. And we knew that it was really important to fuel our bodies on these really long bike rides. And so we said, holy shit, let's start putting bacon in our pockets for bike rides. And I just remember there was like nothing like eating bacon at mile 90 of a hundred mile bike ride. It's quite yummy. It was like the soul of, um, Lance Armstrong just entered our quads whenever we ate bacon at mile 90. Mm-hmm. And Taylor, of course, you know, we were making Thunderbird bars and, and, and Taylor thinks that like, if you know how to do, anything, even a little bit, then you know how to do everything. And so he was like, obviously we can just put this in a bar form and put it in our pocket. You know, like, let's just, let's just package this shit up. Sounds pretty good, right? Sounds easy. And everybody's going to be super into it. I mean, who doesn't want a meat bar? Yeah. You know? And I remember we, so we had this idea for Epic for this meat bar and we were like talking to all of our, um, kind of advisors that we had been connected with that were helping us with Thunderbird. We talked about it with all of our big accounts and our buyers our contacts there and everyone was mm -hmm. like you guys are absolutely stupid don't do that that's the worst idea i've ever heard in my life except there was one man who believed in us cameron smith mm, you're my best. boy the best we're gonna do an episode about cameron one day cameron was uh, our, our angel investor who basically it's just like all these people that come into your life at the right time and uh that was for sure divine mm -hmm. he came in for thunderbird and he yeah. And then we were told him about Epic and he was super into He's it. Like, you fucking guys better do this. Gotta do it. So, um, so, you know, aside from Cameron, everyone else said, you guys are so stupid. Don't do this. But, uh, we did it because we didn't, we didn't do market research again. We didn't have a business plan, but we recognized it was so differentiated and that it made our bodies feel so good and it was so needed that we had to do it. And so we launched Epic in 2012 ish. Mm -hmm. 13. Yeah. And it was, it was like, um, for those of you who don't know, Epic is like a meat based protein bar. So we had like a bison bar and a beef bar, turkey, lamb. Those were the original ones and they're all grass fed, of course. And, um, Minus turkey. well, turkeys don't eat grass. I so know. I was just clapping. Wasn't yeah. Turkeys. I don't want to greenwash. So you're right. Call me out. Fact check. Check <laughs> Fact check. Um, and so Epic, it was a, it was a rock and start and it was, um, we launched it at this, the Super Bowl of natural food shows. In Anaheim, California. And at that point in time, meat was not um, included in the natural foods category. 
which is so weird. Interesting. It's like 5,000 vendors at this show, and we were the only meat brand. And there were people walking past our booth hissing like cats. Yeah, I thought someone was for sure going to throw blood on us at one point, or fake blood. <laughs> like they walk around with fake blood in their bag? Like PETA. Or they would just like cut themselves and throw their blood at us. Yeah, it was not, people it was not a warm welcome from some, but it was a very warm welcome from others. I remember we met like the strangest people at that show. Who's the guy who runs uh, Starbucks? He was wearing know. that really nice suit. Yeah, he was Howard. Howard Stein? No, 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 no. Something Howard. Well, John Mackey, right? Yeah, I still have his note that he wrote me after the show. Founder of Whole Foods and then the founder of uh, Starbucks. Yeah. He, they came by the booth. I mean, so many cool people and they were just like, guys, don't give up. Just keep going. Yeah, that was nice. I believe in you. This is cool shit. And we won like the best new product. Howard Schultz, he's not the founder, but he was like a, you know. He's like the CEO, CEO operator. And so it, there's just like so much encouragement. And I remember like going to bed after we, and we weren't even ready to launch a product. It was all fake out. It was all oh, fake yeah. news. Yeah, it was t- super fake news. It was like air filled packages or packages full of meat that had mold on the inside. Yeah, we couldn't even give samples away. No. And when people took them, it was terrifying yeah. to think about them. When people stole them. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, look, there's PETA. Watch out. And we'd turn around and then they'd run off with three bars. Yeah. That was the worst. And we we're like, joke's on you because when you eat those later, you might get salmonella. You might have diarrhea. Yeah. And so we just, I remember going to bed that night being like, okay, what's about to happen is the hardest, one of the hardest times in our life is about to approach. But this is going to be a journey that's the most powerful and rewarding and formative experience that's going to guide us into something greater for the rest of our lives yeah i remember you you like didn't sleep for like three nights you kept being like this is it this is the thing this is gonna be huge where this is our winner this is what this is this is it i'm not getting my pt license renewed anymore (laughs) so going all in i quit being a pt and um, I didn't renew my license. So I was like, well, shit. Okay. If, if this doesn't work, I guess I'm going to, I guess I can be a homeless guy at the recycling plant. Yeah. And, and lift lots of glass. Maybe will give me a joint one day. Lucky. Um, and so, you know, it was just like, but that was how we rolled. We just believed in it. And it wasn't even, it wasn't one single time. Like we're going to sell this thing. It's going to make us so much money. We're going to be wealthy people. It was like, this is going to change the world. This is going to give us, this is going to enrich our own life resume and experience. Yeah. And it was the right thing to do. And it was so much, there was so much difference between the way that the reception from others um, on Epic as opposed to Thunderbird. Like Thunderbird, I felt like we were constantly like begging people to try and begging people and, you know, like uh, trying to convince people to why it was different. And with Epic, there was nothing to say. It was like, have you ever had a meat bar? No. Okay. Here you go. Yeah. Got it covered for you, pal. Done. Done those. One of my, I guess like one of my favorite Epic stories was, um, it, I, I have to be so vague about it because this is like, I could go to jail. Oh no. Probably not go to I jail. I don't know if I want to hear I could get, it. I could, this could come back and haunt me. Oh, don't say it. No, I'm going to just use um, fake names. Okay. Mm, I'm nervous. So we were at uh, a trade show. I'm not going to tell you which one, 
but a big one. And this was towards the end of Epic. We operated Epic until 2016. And then we, oh, you're about to tell the sticker story. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. And it was like, we were kicking ass. It was like when you looked at the top uh, selling products in the energy bar space, it was like Cliff Bar, Larbar, Epic. And it was like all like peanut butter, chocolate, peanut butter, chocolate, bison. What the fuck? Okay. And so we were, we were like doing it. We were making this happen. Fast growing company, just driving so much positive change in supply chains. And all these other meat companies that started going to these trade shows were so jelly. Mean. They were so mean to us. Yeah. And these were you know, like your shitty shit, shit meat companies like Jack Links and Oberto. Oberto. Oh my God. Like people that were operating as if it was 1992 and they had fucking MSG in their products and like all types of preservatives. And it was all like commodity. I'll never forget. What's his name? Troy Links. He came up to our booth and he was like, I just don't get the essence of your brand. Oh yeah. The founder of Jack Links just would always find us at every single show and harass us. Yeah. He's such a dirt. And, uh, and so this one, meat company that was like a national brand that in, in their booth, like everyone was morbidly obese, all had diabetes, all drank Dr. Pepper, um, in the trade show booth, all smoked cigarettes. For sure. It was like, that's what people kind of thought like associated meat with at the time. And we were very different. We were like young, energetic, healthy, polar opposite. And so this company, they just, um, we were trying to connect people. We were trying to inspire people in the industry. And I went by their booth to just say, Hey, introduce myself. And all of these guys were so rude and they just for no reason started talking about how like we made dog food. They wouldn't even feed it to their dogs. It was so gross. <laughs> they didn't understand it. And it was like hurt my feelings so bad. And so after the show, everyone packs up their booths. They packed up their booth and um, we packed up our booth. And then like people give out like the show organizer gives out these stickers that like if you want to donate something from the show, like leftover product to the food bank, you can do it. And I put all, I, I donated their entire booth <laughs> to, to the food bank. <laughs> that was charitable of you. That was hilarious. I don't think you'll go to jail for that. I think that was kind. Yeah. He was thoughtful. It was so, so funny. But anyways, those days. the best. I'm glad those, I'm glad we don't have to go to any more conferences. Yeah, no shit. And, and we're done with that. But we, we ended up, I think it's just important saying we, if you didn't know this, we ended up selling Epic to General Mills in 2016 and they've been amazing stewards of the brand and um, we didn't intend to sell it to them. And a lot of our investors didn't want us to sell. They, they wanted us to ride this thing out. We were on fire and it was Katie who was just like, guys, the, the time is now. This is the time to drive positive change. General Mills is a great partner. I trust them. I think they're going to do right by the brand and continue our mission. And, um, and she really kind of set the tone for, for that. And I think it was probably the most successful natural foods brand that's ever been acquired. So after Epic was acquired, Katie and I decided, what did we decide to do next? You wanted to go to Vegas and gamble everything and triple the money. But I said, no. <laughs> How'd you know? I that didn't happen. You wanted to buy a lot of lottery tickets, though. What the fuck are you talking about? Just kidding. <laughs> okay. We don't we don't gamble. Um. So when we when we sold Epic, I think really critical points in our life running that brand 
we met some of the most inspiring people that we've ever met. One, I'd say Alan Savory. Mm-hmm. Who who really inspired you? Obviously, Will Harris every time. Will Harris, White Oak Pastures. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so many amazing people. We got to visit so many of our regenerative suppliers and their ranches. And it was these moments where we were on these landscapes and I had never felt as connected or as part of a greater ecosystem. Like you could feel these properties teeming with life, which made me feel more alive than ever. And they were just, we had always said like, man, these people got to figure it out. Like if we ever had the opportunity to do this, we're going to double down. We're going to do it. So when we sold Epic, that's what we did. We didn't invest in the stock market. Mostly. Yeah, for sure. Not. We didn't invest in Bitcoin. Oh, poor us. We invested in fucking land. That's where it's at. Yeah. It's tangible. It's the only real thing. It's the only real thing. Um, remember that when we, when we met those, those old ranchers in Fort Davis. Oh, that was life changing. Yeah. That was like, were those ghosts? I know. Right. That was crazy. That was interesting. What did the guy say? We were sitting out on the porch at this really cool old hotel. And we were just Olympia. Two lovers just soaking it up. Maybe it was when we got engaged too, maybe. It was when we got engaged. It was that same weekend. And we were sitting on the porch and these two old ranchers are sitting on their porch and we're just kind of shooting the shit with them. And they just said, guys, you want to know the secret to life? Land and cattle. 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 And we're like, whoa, okay. And then we saw it ourselves. And so we decided to buy Rome Ranch, which was like a really degraded piece of land. It couldn't get much worse than this in the hill country. It was commercially, industrially farmed, extracted for over a hundred years. We we started with um, subsoil. Topsoil was gone. Yeah, less than half a percent of organic matter. It was it was just the epicenter of chemical and mechanical warfare against mother nature in central Texas. But so, it was perfect. It was perfect. Cause we were like, it doesn't get more fucked up than this. But it also had so many beautiful reasons. Like you could see the potential. Like it had a Creek on it. It still does. Obviously it has a Creek, a cave, it had recreation. You can mountain bike and run. And uh... yeah, I remember seeing the Indian mountains mm-hmm. and I thought that was special because for me it was like, Okay, there's a lot of indication that this place once sustained a civilization, like Apaches or Comanches, migratory tribes. This had this still has that potential in it, mm-hmm. but it was it was dead. It was dead land. I think my big the big selling point on the ranch for me. I think you came and saw it without me. We had a three month old. We had a scout. And you came and saw it and you were like, and Taylor has been spending, I don't know, like literally months, maybe a year, every single night, he would stay up till midnight looking at different properties online. Uh, I think Will Harris calls that land porn. Um, it's very naughty. I know. <laughs> Takes away from your sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you came and saw it without me and you were like, I think this place has some potential, but I don't know. I want you to come see it. And then I came out here with you and Robbie, I think Robbie came with us. And, um, and then I saw the, po- I saw Poppy's tree and I was like, this is the one like this, that, that one tree really sold the whole property for me. Yeah, that's true. And the retail, oh, the retailer, the realtor 
um, was this country lady. Real sweet. So sweet. But I mean, we like rolled up in this Prius that we shared from Austin. Um, I probably had really short shorts on. Katie was probably wearing flip flops and like um, Lululemon stuff. And literally am right now. And this still am. This realtor was like, oh, F my life. <laughs> I'm wasting so much time. I just can't sell this damn piece of property and these people from and I remember she was like, Y'all do know that this is actual agricultural land, right? This isn't just like a resort type purchase. We're like, lady, chill out. We know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. But we didn't know what we we're doing. But that was just all the more reason to to do it. We've never known what we were doing. Yeah, we we wasted a lot of money and time early on. But then I feel like we got in a flow. And obviously people are like, why did you guys raise bison? And we said, well, why the hell wouldn't we raise bison? They're the most amazing keystone species native to this area. The multi-species, you know, we raise bison, ducks, turkeys, pigs. Geese. Geese. And then a lot of wildlife. And it's just, for us, it's always been more about the biodiversity of the land and really promoting that. Not necessarily going back to a point in time where we're trying to replicate what this land was like in the 1800s or before that, because it will never be that again. But what I want to focus on and what we really are focusing on is creating biodiversity and creating life. And we live here, we moved out here full time at the very beginning of COVID because we were like, we're going to get the hell out of Austin. This city has lost its damn mind. People went nuts there. Yeah. It was like crazy. You can't even be outside without a mask on and getting harassed. This is not our jam. We are not raising a child in this setting. Yeah. And so that was the greatest kick in the ass to live out on the ranch full time. And we never looked back. I love it here so much. Me too. It's the best life. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. The best part is like our old lives, like everything that we just talked through, there was so much traveling. I can't even imagine that. Like if you actually counted the number of planes that we've been on and the number of conference centers that we've gone into, the number of panels that we sat on and blah, 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 blah. And at the time it was like, when's our next trip? What are, what are we doing next? And now I dread going on trips. I dread all of that because like, there's no better place than here. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's beyond, it goes beyond. There's no place like home. It's so far beyond that. Yep. I could never, I if I, if I could never leave this place, I would, I'd be okay with that because it has everything that I love here. Yeah. And, and so we had, um, Scout, we had we had a baby, which was amazing. I don't think we really ever really planned on having a baby because we worked so damn hard. And yeah. we just didn't want to like put a kid through that lifestyle. Like we want if we had kids, we wanted to be good parents and really experience it versus just kind of check the box like this is what's expected of us. Right. So when things slowed down after we sold Epic, we we were just like, let's have a baby. My baby. I projected two babies. Mm-hmm. Then, oh yeah, Taylor's like a. He likes to. He's a man. Are you a manifester? I think so. I'd be surprised. He writes not. this craziest shit down, puts it next in his uh, drawer next to his bed, and then, uh, literally, I remember we found something that you wrote that said like, "I will sell this brand and buy land and have two baby girls." 
or something crazy. Like, yeah. like you it said it all. And it happened. And, and so but without we, a business plan, without it was a business like, it, plan. Was a, it was a piece of, it was like a, a, a napkin. That's amazing. And so we have a little girl named Scout who's five and a half now. So sweet. And then we have a little girl named Rin, one and a half. So cute. So sweet. They're both so so adorable. They're the best. And we're done. Two babies are kicking our ass, to be honest, but highest highs, low lows, primarily when we don't get sleep. But that's the story of all parenthood. Some people handle it better than you. You know, I kind of am a baby sometimes when I don't sleep. (laughs) That's the only thing. I'll admit I'm a shitty husband and a shitty dad at nighttime, but I think I try to make up for it. You're great. So we have these beautiful kids now and they're like everything in our life and um, keep us plenty busy and keep us plenty of uh, focused. And I, I don't know, like, what do you, what do you want to leave our kids? Um, I feel like I've answered this question before and I always feel like I, I start crying, so I'm not going to do that right now. But um, tangible, I want to leave them, um, a, I want to leave them shade. I want to leave them so much shade that they can walk anywhere on this property and be, um, not boiling fucking hot in the summer. So, you know, the amount of trees that we've been planting is pretty great, but I just want to like double, triple down on that. And I want them to be really big when they're like, you know, our age or whatever. Um, and then I want to leave them, uh, fresh and clean water. Um, and structured. Fresh and clean structured water, for sure, fucking structured, and um, a sense of hope and an appreciation for beauty and, uh, I mean, just the sunset and sunrises here is enough to bring anybody to a smile. But Yeah. I really want our kids to be strong. And healthy and leaders. Because I feel like there's been all these iterations throughout different generations and time. And it's like our generation was, um, okay, maybe the generation before us, like there was a few people sounding the alarm being like, hey, our food system is shattered. Hey, human, human health is crumbling. And then it was like our generation that amplified that. And Well, it's because like everybody in our generation has autoimmune disease or chronic inflammation, et cetera. And so it's like the only solution is food and holy shit, our food system is broken. Yeah. And our generation is hopefully setting a platform for that next generation to create the solutions. And I think our generation is tasked with creating hope um, or creating, yeah, some type of hope because with that hope, then our children's generation, they're going to be the ones who are filled with hope and that's going to inspire creativity and that's going to inspire creative thinking in which they can problem solve and redesign the systems and the structures that are broken. And so that's, um, Oh oh my gosh, that's baby Wren. Tears. She, that's a lot of pressure on her and she's collapsing under the pressure of having to, Mm -hmm re um invent how our world is structured to create a more virtuous better place to live for all shareholders i don't think that it means that 
our generation is done working and we're, we're not retiring. We're not going to be like the old war horses that get put out to pasture to live the rest of their days in, in peace grazing. We still got fight left in us, but I really do think it comes down to the next generation is going to be uh, really, it's a critical moment for our species because they have to make up for so many errors so much mismanagement. But can't we fix that now and then they can continue that on? I think we can set the framework and that's what we're doing. Yeah. But they they got to, you know, we need creativity and we need inspiration and passionate people to carry the torch. But I think that there's such a big opportunity with kids because, I mean, like the way that we're raising Scout, like she, I had to like relearn what food was and I had to relearn like how your body operates and how to critically think. And she's just starting from that. She has a foundation of what health is, what being strong means, what, how her body operates, how the land operates, how she's connected to the land. Like she's starting with all that knowledge. And so like her ability to take that and run with it is so much greater than what we, the opportunity that we had. Yeah. And what you're describing, it's not like, uh, it's progress, but it's going back to some like really fundamental ways of living that remind me of Little House on the Prairie or Old Yeller. Old Yeller. It's just connecting with the land. It's yeah. just being one. Yeah. But not out of, I mean, not out of uh, like survival necessity, but, but really actually out of survival necessity because yeah. it really is like the only path forward, I guess. Yep. It really is survival at this point for species. Yeah. I agree. I teach Scout and I will teach Ren one day that like whenever they, if they decide to marry, um, that they're, that their husband, they have to like, don't say the thing. I'm not going to say all of the requirements cause okay. wow. <laughs> You'll get canceled. Woke mob will come after me. Bad. Um, but my, but I really do like Scout, you can't, you got to promise me that you're not going to marry a vegetarian. You got to marry someone who eats meat, grass-fed, regenerative meat, because that means they're going to have a strong body and they're going to be able to build shit. And they're going to be able to pick you up. But if they're vegetarian, you'll probably be able to pick them up, which is fine. <laughs> um, Scout. See, the other day she told me, uh, so she's gonna, Scout's going to marry a kid in her class named Nolan, apparently. And she told we were driving past this guy who was tilling his field and she said, I'm not going to let Nolan till any of his fields. <laughs> like, good and go, girl. That a girl. Okay. So, so we had these amazing kids and I, we never would have had kids. I don't think if it was for one another in our lives. Because I couldn't imagine having kids with anyone but you. And I don't think I would have. Yeah, for sure. I never envisioned a life with children. No. Not only can't envision it without, but. So we have, um, aside from the ranch, we started a company called Force of Nature. And Force of Nature is like, here's what happened, people. We had all these animals out on our ranch and people were constantly coming out to learn, to go to community events, to visit us, to be inspired. And the animals were our co-creators. They were how we were positively impacting the land. We didn't have a business plan. We forgot to put this in place. So one day we were like, oh shit, we have to harvest animals. Like they have fulfilled their biological role. Now it's time for them to transition to fulfill their next role, which is to nourish, to heal communities, to heal our bodies. 
And so we started harvesting meat and then people wanted to buy it. And then at the end of all of our tours, people used to just be like, this is so badass. I'm a thousand percent going to change the way that I shop. I want to only eat regenerative meat. Where can I start? And it was like, good luck. White Oak Pastures. Yeah. North uh, Star Bison. Yeah. Direct companies doing it right, but there wasn't like an aggregate that was doing it right. And there certainly wasn't anything in the store. No. And that's where people shop. And so we created Force of Nature to support family independent ranches, ranches like Rome Ranch, White Oak Pastures, other people that were adopting regenerative practices, healing landscapes, and then creating a market where we were purchasing that meat together having a consumer facing brand on a national level that was going above and beyond at educating and inspiring people about this new supply chain. And that was the genesis of force of nature. And that's what, that's kind of like where we spend a little bit of our time now. I'd still say we spend most of our time focusing on Rome ranch, Mm -hmm. focusing on our family, but force of nature's it's a big deal. It's really important. It's bigger than you. It's, bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us individually. And and that's the point. It's a collective of land stewards, ranchers, farmers, ecologists, most importantly, consumers, because that's where we believe we can drive the most positive change at a global level. And so we started Force of Nature with our co-founder, Robbie, who's been a lifelong friend. He worked with us at Epic. And then just an unbelievable team, like the dream team. These people are in our lives with some kind of divine intervention because they're all so passionate and so intelligent and they're such hard workers and they're owning this mission. They recognize what's at stake and this is a part of their legacy. This is a part of their identity. Regenerative agriculture is something that they believe in. So we are truly humbled and honored to be in the presence of such incredible beings as our colleagues and our co-creators at Force of Nature. And you know what else is so inspiring at this point in our lives is the consumers, the people who are supporting regenerative agriculture, whether it be Force of Nature, whether it be Rome Ranch, doesn't matter. The consumers are driving this. They are the catalyst for this change. So, okay, that's uh, that's where we are right now in our lives. And, um, you know, I just kind of feel like ending this by... I, I mean, my one of my takeaways is just the, the, the intersection of us meeting at a time where we did and like the trajectory of our lives were in completely different directions. And then we converged and then we aligned and we went parallel in a completely new path together. And so none of this, none of the amazing things that we've accomplished and done and the experiences we've had would have ever been realized if we didn't fall in love. Yeah, without each other. I'm so glad. I would have been a lost cat lady. Oh my God, you had like 25 cats and you would have been a counseling psychologist. Oh, fuck. Just absorbing so much sorrow. Yeah, so sad. And I would still be wearing polo shirts. Getting farted on by old ladies. Yeah, I mean, gosh, now I get farted on by young ladies, (laughs) but it's all good. I just feel so grateful that, that we are here where we are, and that I met you, that you asked me to carpool. Commute. Commute. That was, that was, I mean, that was so romantic of you. I know. Um, 
and it's just so amazing how every decision we've made has impacted another decision too. It's like um, it's like a ping pong ball. It's like you hit one side and then you bounce to another direction and then you hit something and you bounce back. But I don't think we're a ping pong table because I think if we were a ping pong ball, we'd smash through the walls. Mm-hmm. But eventually we'd hit something that would deflect us. Hmm. You know what I mean? I just think that's really special. Um, and then I guess, what other life lessons do you want to say? I think it's really important that people recognize that they do not have to be defined by something that they perceived themselves to be, whether it's vegan or a counseling psychologist or an Ironman athlete, even, you know, like, um, you are constantly evolving just like the seasons and, um, of the earth. And if you're unable to allow yourself to change, you're, you're going to get stuck and probably be very unhappy eventually. Yeah. I think, um, one thing I feel really grateful for is that I found um, a life partner, multi-life partner, if you will, that has made me a better, stronger person because I think the way that we work together is pretty exceptional. And um, we just have like this ability to connect and to align and then to just make the most amazing things happen. And it's with support and patience and love and trust and, um, and help. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Um, where, okay. So where do you want to meet me in our next lifetime? Fort Davis. Fort Davis, Texas. Like the Indian fort or the, um, like you want to meet in the 1800s when mm. the fort was active and. No, it doesn't matter. We're getting attacked by Apaches. Probably not. Okay, good. Let's just... You'd be like the only girl in that fort, and I, and it would be really hard for me to get... Or do you want to Get me? your phone number. Yeah, that'd be too challenging. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Fort Davis. I don't know why when you said, where do you want to meet? All I can think about is a mountain lion, so... Oh, do you want to be mountain lions in our next life? I think so. Mountain lions have huge territories, so let's, let's meet up there. Okay. You can ask me if I want a carpool, because our territory will be so big. Okay. <laughs> and we'll be like the last mountain lions in Texas. Or hopefully by that time, there's a lot of mountain lions. Yeah. But okay, you be a mountain lion female and I'll be a mountain lion male. And then we'll meet up and we're going to live the most amazing mountain lion life. I love it. It's going to be short, but it's going to be intense. I mean, isn't it all? Isn't this life short and intense? It's just perspective. Yeah. Okay, well... I'm That's gonna bite it. your back of your neck. I think the male bites the female in the back of the neck. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll bite you softly. Okay, thanks. And that's a wrap. We're gonna leave you with this visualization of Katie and I manifesting our spirits into the next life in the form of mountain lions. And in that visualization, we're breeding. We're creating mountain lion children, little cubs. So Special thanks to my lovely wife, my heart, and my soil, Katie. Thank you for being my life partner. Thank you for giving me such an incredible journey, such an incredible adventure. And the fact is that we still have more than half of our lives together. And I'm looking forward to living every single day with you. 
Now, my takeaway for this episode is you got to find people that lift you up, people that compliment you. Katie brings out strengths that I didn't even know that I had. She really supports me, supports my visions, and it's reciprocal. I want to support Katie and I want to make her a stronger person. I want her to be the strongest, happiest mountain lion human on the planet. Now, before we break officially, before we go commando, I'm going to leave you with some wisdom from Scout, our firstborn daughter. I'm going to ask Scout some hard questions about what makes a good life partner. And I think we can all learn from this wisdom and I think we can all agree. So here we go. All right, Scout. So let's talk about the important things that you're going to look for in your life partner, your future husband. Sound good? I will marry a strong boy who works hard. Somebody who loves me to the moon and back. Yes. I will marry a boy that lives on the ranch. I agree. I will not date a vegan. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Somebody who listens to their heart. That's important. Yep. Somebody who loves freedom. Freedom. Number one. Somebody who doesn't eat junk food and who eats meat. What kind of meat, Scout? Bison meat or antelope. (laughs) (laughs) That'll make you strong. Somebody who works out and strong. Yeah. All right, so the boy that you marry, what kind of handshake do they need to have? A strong handshake, not a weak one. Why not a weak handshake, Scout? Because then we'll know they're not very strong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. Love it. Oh, my gosh, so much fun. Always so much fun sitting with Scout. She is my number one fan. And obviously, we've talked about that before. That was not her first rodeo. Um, I think it's important to talk to your children about healthy relationships and some of the characteristics and attributes. Teach them while they're young. And so and so while that's important, I think what's even more important is modeling and demonstrating what a healthy, loving, thriving, regenerating relationship looks like, because that's proof in the pudding. That's more powerful than anything else. And we don't even eat pudding. So let's just say that's butter on the steak. That's way better. So as always, this podcast, this episode was produced by yours truly, Taylor Collins. Thank you very much. Um, It couldn't have been possible without the love, without the support, without the vision of force of nature. Head over to forceofnature.com and have regenerative meats shipped to your door. Nothing says I love you more to your partner, to your lover, then showing up, surprising them with a romantic dinner, maybe some candles, whatever. But the most important part of that romantic dinner is grass-fed regenerative bison. So head over to forceofnature.com, feed others as you wish to be fed, share that love, and support the producer, the creator, the life-giving force of this show. That's forceofnature.com. And until next time, farewell, my star-crossed lovers.